Beginning with verse number 1 and uh, conclude with verse number 5. Amen. Joshua chapter number 3 this morning. Beginning reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Using for my text the last of verse number 4, Joshua said, You have not passed this way before. This morning we're going to talk about what's ahead for 2012. What's ahead for 2012. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because you have plans for New Bethel. Lord, you have plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Lord, to give us a future and a hope. Father, I just pray today that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, I just pray that we will be sensitive to the Spirit of God in this service and in the Word of the Lord that we need to share today. Father, for the glory of God. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, in Joshua chapter 3, the children of Israel are about to cross over the Jordan River. They're about to take possession of the promised land. Joshua gives everyone explicit instructions on what they are to do. Joshua says in verse number 4, For you have not passed this way before. Joshua says to those children of Israel, you are about to experience territory that you have never walked in before. Well, let me suggest to those of us that are here today that we too are about to experience new territory. We too are about to walk where we have never ever walked before. Today, we understand, is the very first day of a brand new year. We understand that 2011 is now history. And whether or not it was a good year or a bad year for you, that is simply irrelevant at this point in time. 2011 is behind us. There's absolutely nothing that any of us can do to make it any better or make it any worse. The good news today is that oh, this is the very first day of our future. The good news this morning is if we don't like the way that our past has been, we have the opportunity beginning today to change our future. As Joshua told his people, so I am telling my people today, New Bethel family, we have never passed this way before. 2012 is our future. The question is, what will we make of it? Now, I don't claim to be a prophet. 
nor do I have a crystal ball this morning. And yet, I, I am going to tell you much of what is going to happen in this coming year ahead. You say, Pastor, if you're not a prophet, Pastor, if you don't have a crystal ball, how in the world could you then possibly know what is going to take place in the year to come? Well, as I have told you many, many times before, the greatest indicator of what will be is what has been. The greatest indicator of what will be is what has been. The past is a good indicator of the future. Now, that doesn't have to be. Now, you know, people hear that, and for some people, for some people, it kind of puts them in depression, you know, that you mean I'm never going to get it, nothing good is ever going to happen because all I've ever known is bad, and, and you're telling me the greatest indicator of what will be is what has been? Well, that is, a, that is an absolute truth, but it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. But it usually is because most people are unwilling to change. And the only way that you can get different results is if you change what you're doing. I want to suggest four things this morning. Let me, let, let me prophesy, even though I don't claim to be a prophet, let me prophesy. Let me tell you this morning four things that will happen in every one of our lives in 2012. Let me suggest, first of all, the first thing that's going to happen to all of us is chances. Chances. After hearing about it all of their lives. Can you imagine the children of Israel? Can you imagine how many times they heard about the glorious promised land? But after hearing about it all of their lives. Oh, the children of Israel finally get the chance to possess the promised land. Can you even imagine what might have been going through their mind? Can you even imagine how excited they must have been? Well, friend, I believe that every single one of us will be presented our very own chances in the coming year. I believe that opportunity is going to knock on every single door in the coming year. Revelation 3 and 8, Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia, Jesus said to them, I sent before you an open door. And Jesus said, no man can shut it. Friend, perhaps there have been doors that have been shut for you for years. I don't know what these doors are in your life. Maybe it's a relational door that has been shut. Maybe, maybe it's a door of promotion. Maybe it's an educational door. We could go on and on. It doesn't matter. I don't know what the door is in your life this morning that has been closed in the past. But there have been doors that have been shut and doors that have been locked to you in the past. And I'm telling you that suddenly are going to be open for you this coming year. I'm telling you, there are doors that you have knocked on and knocked on and knocked on and knocked on and knocked on. And every time you've knocked, yet the door has remained shut. No matter how many times you've tried to go through the door, the door has remained locked and shut for you. But I am declaring to you today that there's going to come some chances to, for you this coming year. I'm telling you, there's going to be some doors that have been shut in the past that are going to open for you in the coming year. Now here's the question. What are we going to do with these chances? We're going to all have chances, but what are we going to do with these chances? What will we do when these doors open for us? Huh. Will we even recognize them? 
Will we even recognize them? Because you see, sometimes opportunity knocks on our door and, and we don't even recognize it as a door of opportunity. When one of my best friends, when his brother contact, contacted me over nine years ago and told me that I needed to be the pastor of this church, he said, he said Brother Mike, he said, you, you need to be pastor of that, of that church. You're the man to lead that church. Well, when I was made aware of the condition of the church nearly nine years ago, let me tell you something, I did not immediately see this church as a chance or an open door of opportunity for me. What will we do with our chances that come to us in 2012? Will we even recognize that it is indeed an open door of opportunity? What are we going to do when the door opens for us? What what are we going to do when this chance comes our way? What are we going to do with these chances? Will we refuse them? Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia in Revelation 3 and 8, I have set before you an open door, and Jesus said, nobody can shut it. I'm opening the door, Jesus said, and there's nobody in heaven, hell, or on earth. Nobody can shut the door that I've opened. Friend, God is going to set open doors before all of us this coming year. And there are going to be doors that no one, not even the devil, can shut. That being said, we still have to make the decision as to whether or not we're going to walk through the door or not. Because just because the door is open for us, that in and of itself doesn't mean that we are willing to walk through. What do we do with these, with these chances? Are we going to recognize them? Or are we going to refuse them? Uh, Will we respect them? This is a powerful point right here. Get it this morning. And it's early on in the service, so I still have you. This is is big this morning. This is big. One of the reasons why doors don't open for us in life sometimes... The reason is sometimes that the, the, the door doesn't open. The reason sometimes is because, because we have never been willing to walk through the doors that have opened for us in the past. And I ask you why? Why should God open doors for us in the present if we've never been willing to walk through the doors that He has opened for us in the past? So we need to learn to respect the chances. We need to learn to respect the open doors that God arranges for us in our lives. Now hear me this morning. What I, I don't have time to preach what I really want to preach this morning. So I need you to understand that what I am preaching today applies to us, to us both as individuals. But it also applies to us as a corporate body known as the New Bethel family. So when you're listening to this message today, hear it for yourself as an individual, but hear it also as a member of New Bethel family. What's ahead for us in the year 2012? The first thing I I would suggest is is chances. And the second thing that's going to present itself to us in 2012 is challenges. (laughs) 
challenges. The good news for the children of Israel here was that they would finally get the opportunity to possess the coveted promised land. The not so good news was this land was inhabited. It's not raw, empty land. It's inhabited. The land would not be given to them by the inhabitants of that land. They're going to have to take it. There would be battles that would have to be fought. Understand this this morning. Opportunity always comes dressed in work clothes. Opportunity is awesome, but not easy. Write this down. With every chance comes a challenge. The good news is you're going to get some chances this year. The good news is there's going to be some open doors of opportunity for you as an individual and for us as New Bethel Church. The good news is, oh, there's chances right around the corner. The other news is, oh, with every chance comes a challenge. As I look back at more than 39 years of full-time ministry, it's amazing to me how many chances I've had. Doors of opportunity that have opened for me. Opportunities that God has offered to me. And yet as I look back at each one of these opportunities, as I look back at each one of these chances, every single chance has been accompanied by a challenge. Some of the chances that I have been given came to me because somebody else turned down the chance. I'm thinking of one instance in particular. God gave a certain pastor a vision, a literal vision of an opportunity that was going to be presented to this pastor. Not me, another pastor, a friend of mine. And God gave this friend of mine, this pastor, a a vision of a particular situation. God gave him a vision and showed him exactly how it was going to unfold. And sure enough, precisely and exactly as the pastor got the vision of the opportunity that would be presented to him, it unfolded. Every T crossed, every I dotted. Amazing. I've never had anything so clear for me ever happen. But when this particular pastor saw all of the challenges of the chance, he was not willing to walk through even though he had been given a vision, and then he got to watch the vision unfold, literally, and the door of opportunity opened for him, when he started looking at the challenge, he backed away from the door and did not walk through the door. And since he was not willing to walk through this door of opportunity, the door of opportunity was made available to me to walk through. 
And I walked through that door, and what a great chance and door of opportunity it turned out to be. Understand this this morning, the the greater the chance, the greater the challenge. I'm talking about what's ahead for the coming year. There will be chances, there will be challenges. Let me suggest number three, there will be changes. Changes. In our text, things were changing rapidly for the children of Israel, would you say? The manna that showed up every single day. Oh, the manna or food that God made miraculously appear for them every single day had now stopped appearing. The constant travel through the wilderness stopped. Life as they had become accustomed to was about to change. What will come about in the coming year ahead of us? Changes. Changes. Let me suggest four things about changes or about change this morning. First of all, let me suggest that it's sure. Change is sure. Change will happen. Like it or not, embrace it or reject it. No matter how we respond to it, it, it's still going to happen. Change is sure. My oldest granddaughter is now nearly nine years old. My granddaughter. She's growing up. She's changing. She's the tallest kid, in the, not the tallest girl, the tallest kid in her class. She's tall. And I know this is Pawpaw, but she's a beauty. She's a looker. She's beautiful. A couple more years, we'll lock her away for about 15 years. She's changing. She's growing up. And every time I see her, I say, Briley! Briley, stop growing! Stop growing! Briley, sweetheart, you're getting too big, too fast. Briley, Briley, stop growing! I want you to always be little. I want you to always be Papa's little girl. And she's real serious, and she says, "But I can't, Papa." I can't. Tell you something, you can't stop change. Can't stop it. It's sure. Tell you something else about it, it's scary. It's scary. Perhaps there's nothing more scary than change. Because change gets us out of our comfort zone. Because, because we, we know what the past was like for us and we know what the present is like for us. But we can't see the future. As I look back over my life and I look back over the different stages and milestones and changes that have taken place. I remember the excitement. I remember the anticipation. I remember the expectancy. 
Because you see, I kind of like change. My wife hates it, but I like it. I kind of like it. I like it. Every time we tried out for a church or moved ministry, my wife dreaded every bit. I loved it, man. Here's a challenge. I got to make them like me and make them vote me in 100%. Just part of who I am. But as I look back over my life, the different stages, milestones, changes that have taken place, I remember the excitement. I remember the anticipation. I remember the expectancy I had. But with that also comes, and more for some than others, but also comes with that a certain amount of fear, a certain amount of anxiety, a certain amount of trepidation. Let me just give you an abbreviated list of some of the events of my life and the changes that have taken place in my life. I remember every time I changed schools as a kid, and I've already told you that, you know, as a kid, my dad was a pastor, and he could get a church pastor in about six to 18 months. I mean, it didn't take him long to pastor a church. He was good. He was quick, man. I mean, you know, just, he just get that church pastor. It's going to take me 20 years to pastor Bethel, but, but my dad could pastor a church in 6 to 18 months. That means every 6 to 18 months, I was moving to a new house. I was moving to a new school. I was getting a new set of friends. And all the stuff that came with that. I remember that. And then I remember when I left home and got married at the ripe old age of 17. And I remembered as I married my high school sweetheart at 17. I remember thinking, can I really support us? Because I knew I wasn't getting no help. I wasn't getting no help. A little scary. 17 years old, on your own with a wife, knowing you're getting no help. And then I I remember when my wife and I became pastors of a little church at the age of 17. Oh, I wish I could have heard you preach back then, Pastor. No, you don't. I remember thinking, what in the world am I going to do? After I run out of these sermons, I've got five. I'm going to run out in about two weeks. What am I going to do? And I remember when our first child was born. Oh, I remember thinking, hey, does this kid come with a how-to manual? And when I built my first church building, and all that goes with it. And when I took on my first staff members, well, that'll scare you. You know, these staff members are supposed to help you, and most of the time they do, but sometimes... Oh, not my, the guys I've got, oh, they're just awesome. But some I've had in the past, you know, uh, you know, you, you spend more time cleaning up their messes than, than you do, you know. You don't even have time to make a mess of your own. You just always, you know. I remember what it was like to take on that responsibility that no longer am I a solo pastor, but now I've got other people, amen, that are representing me, other people speaking for me, other people I am empowering, other people that I am trying to train and trying to work through. I remember all about it. Then I remember pioneering a church from scratch and starting a church without a building, without any people, without any money. Amen. Change the different stages and changes in our life. And they're scary. 
And then when I took on a church with a million dollar debt that had no, a million dollar debt and no building. And not very many people and some of the people I had were living. The changes that happen to us in life can be pretty scary. I'll never forget when one of my best friend's dad, when his dad died. Oh, oh, my best friend looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, he said out of his heart, he said to me, he said, who's in charge now? Dad is gone. Dad, the foundation of our family. Dad, rock solid dad. Dad that we all look to. Dad is gone. Who's in charge now? Very gently and very lovingly, I said, David, you are. Change. It's scary. It's scary. Changes are sure and they're scary. And let me suggest that they're short lived. You see, the thing about change is it changes. Remember the first mobile phones? Remember they came in this huge bag that looked like an overnight case? Remember? And only the elite and the very important, only the people that are very important had those phones. And then, and then they were about the size of a shoe. Remember that? Today, nearly every 12-year-old kid has one. And their phone will do just about anything besides make breakfast. And they actually know how to use it. Change. It's short-lived. About the time that you stop complaining about the last change, it is already changed again. Because you see, everything is for a season. Did you know that? Everything is for a season. God takes us through different seasons in our life. And God does the same with His church. He takes His church through different seasons. If you've been around for many years, you will remember the season of healing. Brother Emmett, you remember that season. Oh, Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, Catherine Kuhlman, and others. A season of, of healing. And then came the charismatic renewal. I actually remember when that came around. And the Baptists and the Methodists and the Catholics and Presbyterians all start, not all, but many of them started receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And then came along the season of praise and worship. It was a season where the church stopped singing songs about God and started singing love songs to God. They stopped singing about flying away in the sweet by and by and started singing love songs, worship songs to God. And then came along the days of revival, the season of revival like Brownsville and Toronto and Argentina and other places. And then comes along the season of leadership. All you heard about was leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And that's all we heard was leadership. And then comes technology. 
Everything is for a season. Hear me clearly. It's not that God only can only do one certain thing at a time. His power is unlimited. Oh, He can heal today as well as He healed back in the, in the healing movement. Miracles are still for today. God can do what He's always been able to do. His power is unlimited all the time. And yet He seems to emphasize different things at different times. Seasons. And about the time that we finally embrace what God is doing in this season, He has already moved to a new season. And here's the funny thing about change. Here's the funny thing about change. Let let, let me me tell you how change happens. First of all, we reject it. We reject it. I mean, we stand tooth and toenail, if you understand that expression. I mean, we bow our back. Man, I mean, we dig our heels in and we reject it. No, I'm not changing We reject it. And finally we get tired of rejecting it. We run out of energy and we give in to it. We give in to it. We just, I'm not going to win this battle. I don't like it. But I'll go along to get along. And we, get, and we give in to it. And we give in to it for a while. And before you know it, we embrace it. We embrace it. Oh, not so bad after all. Don't tell anybody, but I kind of like it. We embrace it. And we embrace it for a while. And then we absolutely fall in love with it. Yeah. Absolutely fall in love with it. <laughs> and then you know what we do? <laughs> We dig our heels in again. We bow our back again. And we fight to keep it. (laughs) Just try and take it away from me. Wait a minute. Aren't you the one that fought against it? And now you're fighting to hold on to it. I mean, understand, I'm telling you the truth. Telling you the truth. Notice the last thing about change. It's surprising. Well, I'm out of time and I haven't got to my last point, but we only have one service. That means I get to preach twice as long. Amen? Except I've got to go to lunch with my wife, and that's not a good deal when I preach too long. It's surprising. The older I get, the more amazed I become of God. He actually knows what He's doing. As I look back over my life, I I see how God has put every single piece of the puzzle together. All the changes, the seasons, the changes that have happened, the opportunities, the choices, the changes that have happened to me in life are all a part of God's divine purpose for me. The changes that are happening in your life are all a part of God's divine purpose for you. One of my life verses is Romans 8 and 28. You hear it quoted around here often from this pulpit. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love God and that are called according to His purpose for them. I want you to notice it doesn't say that God causes everything. And it doesn't say that everything that happens to us is good. It doesn't say that. Here's what it says. It says whatever happens to us. It says everything that happens to us. God causes these things. Whatever it is. The good, the bad, the ugly. God causes causes these things to work together for our 
good. All of it God uses, not causes. God uses it to work together for our good. Change is surprising. Oh, when we stop fighting against it and we start embracing it, oh, oh, we might just be surprised to find out that God is absolutely using it to make us a better person. Oh, God is absolutely using it oh, to make us become better servants for Him. What is ahead for the year 2012? Changes! Changes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. The wisdom writer says, To everything there is a season. There's a what? Season. To everything there is a season. There's a time and a purpose for a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born, a time to die, time to plant, time to pluck what is planted, time to kill, time to heal, time to break down, time to build up, time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, time to dance, time to cast away stones, and time to gather stones, time to embrace, time to refrain from embracing. Some of you teenagers need to hear that one. A time to gain and a time to lose, time to keep, a time to throw away, time to tear, time to... Uh, to sow, time to keep silence, time to speak, time to love, time to hate, time of war, time of peace. Wow, I need 15 minutes, I'm going to do it in five. Amen. How many would give me five? Would you give me five minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five, forty. I've got plenty of time this morning. Amen. Pastor, when are you going to quit doing that? When you stop falling for it. Amen. One last thing that we can look forward to happening. I'm telling you, I'm prophesying today. I'm telling you this, number four, it's going to happen. And the fourth thing that's going to happen to you this coming year is choices. Now for the children of Israel in our text, they had a choice to make. Would they obey or would they disobey? Would they, would they keep going around in circles in, in, in the wilderness? Or would they indeed possess the promised land that had been promised to them? What would they do? They had a choice to make. And I'm going to tell you, there's choices we're all going to have to make in the coming year. And I'm going to really try and do this in five minutes this morning. Two things I want you to know about choices. Number one, they're initiated. They are initiated. Friend, God and Satan initiate situations and circumstances that require choice. Let me let you in on a little secret. Y'all want to hear a secret? You're being set up. Oh, I set you up, but that's not what I'm talking about. You are being set up. Right now, you're getting set up. There are already situations and circumstances that have been designed, they've been planned, and they've been arranged for you for the coming year. They are coming. They are on the calendar for you already. They're already there. Now, let me suggest that God does this to test our faith. He does this to test our faith. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, when your faith is what? You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Choices are initiated. 
God sometimes orchestrates situations and circumstances in our lives in order to test our faith. Satan does this to tempt us to sin. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5, a paraphrased version would say, I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you through what he had put you through. Listen, friend, you better know this, that the devil hates you and he is out to destroy your life. John 10 and 10 tells us that Satan comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8 says, Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. Friend, Satan has already set you up. I said the devil's already set you up. He has already prearranged circumstances and situations in this coming year in order to tempt you to sin. It's coming. You better be ready for it. Perhaps he's arranged for you to be alone with someone of the opposite sex for a seemingly innocent business lunch or innocent meeting. He does it in hopes that something inappropriate will happen or at least begin. Perhaps he's arranged for you to be alone in a motel room some night this coming year on a business trip. He's done that so he can tempt you to watch pornography on the television. Perhaps he's arranged for you to have a, have a bad boss that, that, that will demand that you lie and you cheat and you steal to cover his tracks. Who knows what the devil has arranged for us this coming year, but know this, he has set us up. He has initiated some situations and some circumstances in the coming year. He is going to tempt us to sin. And quickly, the second thing about choices, they are inclusive. It's been well said, no man is an island. The choices we make for ourselves will affect Others. If we could get the worship team back in place, it'll help me stop. If they knew that, they'd have been up here ten minutes ago. When David chose to commit adultery with Bathsheba, his choice not only affected him, but it affected a host of others. Oh, it affected Bathsheba. Oh, it affected Bathsheba's husband, who was murdered in order to cover up David's tracks. All the people that were associated with her husband were affected. Joab, an officer in David's army, was affected. Uh, Oh, the baby that was to come would be affected. Even Nathan the prophet would be brought in on this situation. Hear me and hear me clear this morning. You are a fool. You are a fool if you think that you can make bad choices and it's only going to affect me. Those choices are inclusive. Uh, no one even knows the magnitude of entanglements that occur with every single choice that we make in life. What if nine years ago you had not elected me as pastor of this church? What would have happened to this church? I don't know. It might be better than it is now. I don't know, but it would definitely be different. Where would I be if I had not been willing to walk through the door? Or if I had walked away from the door, as I actually told the presbyter after the vote, I said, I'm not sure I want to walk through that door. Every decision we make in life, can you imagine the domino effect it would have made? How things could have been different for all of us. And every single decision that we make in life, 
man, where in the world, what would my life be like? 39 and a half years ago, if I'd not asked that beautiful young lady over there to be my wife, I would have, wow. Good thing she's pretty, good thing she had nice legs. That's all I can say. Still does. Choices. We're being shut up right now. We're being shut up right now. God and Satan are setting us up. They're arranging situations, circumstances in our life. The Lord's doing it to test us, to see. Yeah, let's see. Let's see what he's made of. Let's see. He talks a good talk. Let's see if he can walk a good walk. Yeah, he talks a good game. Let's see if he has any. The devil does in order to tempt us to sin. You're going to be tempted to sin this year. Pastor, you mean you're going to be tempted to sin? Yeah, I'm going to be tempted to sin. Probably not in the same areas you're tempted in. That's why we need to be very, very careful with every opportunity, every choice. I believe 2012 is going to be an incredible, unbelievable year. It's going to be, in a way, a new beginning for New Bethel. Change is coming in so many ways. We're going to go from an owner to a renter. We're going to get a roommate, <laughs> and they're in charge. <laughs> I mean, no, that's kind of hard on pastor, you know. <laughs> They're in charge. <laughs> All right, I've got him bluffed. It's okay. They're awesome, good people, absolutely. Actually, you're going to get to meet the, new pa- uh, the pastor of Alpha next Sunday morning. He's going to be here in our service. By the way, uh, our realtor and his wife, Gene Livens and his wife are here today. God bless you, Gene. Amen. Gene's one of our good Catholic brothers. We, we kind of get into our, our church, okay? We kind of get into it, Gene. He knows me pretty well, so I think he probably expected it. He calls me Father Benson. No. Stand with me. I'll be, I'll be here forever. I'm just having a good time this morning. Wonder what's going to happen in this coming year. I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have some chances. You are. You're going to have some open doors of opportunity this coming year. What are you going to do with it? But with those chances are going to come some challenges. We're getting a, we're getting a chance, Lee Bethel. We're getting a chance to sell, to, to move, to redo. I'm excited about the chance. I am. I'm thrilled with the chance. But I also know it's going to come with challenges. Somebody told me the other day, we're talking about how quick this was moving said wow I said man things are we're going to have to start going to work aren't we I said 
start. Gene, we've been working on this thing for months. Diligently. Start. What are you talking about? Start. We started way back there. It's been a lot of, it's been a lot of challenges. Already been an incredible amount of challenges. But they're not done yet. There's more challenges ahead. Because now I involve you guys. Chances are coming. Choices or challenges are coming. Changes are coming. Choices are coming. Father, Father, thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. I really do believe it's a word from you. God, I pray that you'll help us today, Lord, to receive this word today. Father, may we be excited about what we've heard today, but also, Father, may we understand the severity and the seriousness of it. Lord, let 2012 be one of the best years New Bethel has ever known or ever experienced. As we begin to prepare, as we begin, Lord, to move forward, as we begin to transition, Lord, into some of the, I believe, some of the greatest years ever, ever, ever. It's going to take preparation. It's going to take diligence. It's going to take overcoming challenges, but it's going to be incredible. Get us ready. Get us ready. Get us ready. Get us ready. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are, are closed today just for a couple of couple of minutes today I wonder how many of you would lift your hand and wait just a minute until I ask exactly what I'm asking for but say Pastor I, I can get very very excited I can get very excited today about, about the chances that are going to present themselves to me the open doors of opportunity that are going to come my way this coming year I mean, I'm excited about it I also understand that every chance comes with a challenge And with those chances comes changes. And it all boils down to my choice. Am I going to be willing to walk through that door or am I going to, be, or am I going to walk away from the door? If you're here this morning, you're excited, Pastor. I'm excited about the chances that are going to be mine this year. I understand there's going to be challenges. Changes are going to come. I just need God to help me. I want God to help me to have the faith, to have the courage. As Pastor Steve said earlier, to take the risk to walk through those doors. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift your hand all over this room this morning. God bless you, everyone. Almost everybody in the room lifting their hand today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each and every one today, Lord, that have raised their hands today. Thank you, dear God, for the plans that you do have for us. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a future, and to give us a hope. Thank you, Lord, for the individual opportunities, Lord, the individual chances that are coming our way this coming year. Thank you for the chances that are going to come our way and that have already presented themselves to us as a corporate body. God, help us to be ready for the challenge. Help us to be up for the challenge. Help us to meet the challenge. Help us to embrace the changes. Help us to make the right choices. Coming here for the glory of God we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Let's close this service with a worship song this morning. See